time. It's time. Time for the hard-hitting analysis you won't find anywhere else. Here's former Super Bowl winning scout Brian Broaddus and Bobby Belt. Five victory! Cowboys win! This is Love of the Star. 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 Welcome back to the Love of the Star podcast. I am uh, one half of the podcast, Bobby Belt, Dallas Cowboys Insider for 105.3 The Fan in Dallas, the radio flagship home of the Cowboys, uh, and joined, as always, by my co-host, Brian Broaddus, former Super Bowl winning NFL scout and uh, co-host of the G-Bag Nation on 105.3 The Fan in Dallas, 2 to 7 p.m. Central, Monday through Friday, except during baseball season. Baseball season, they they, they like they occasionally get some some early off days, like today. Uh, Brian, Brian, you got a good hour and a half off to, to kind of rest up and relax a little bit. I did. I'm, uh, I didn't, I'm having one of my days though today where, uh, very fortunate to start the day doing cowboy break with DallasCowboys.com and then do what three and a half hours of radio on my normal show on 105.3 the fan. And then you get to finish up the night with, uh, working with you. So, it's all Cowboys all the time, and uh, I'm just having a blast doing this podcast. And I really, really do. And I think I'm speaking for Bobby here. We just can't thank you guys enough for uh, for listening, for the questions, for everything that you guys have done for us. Uh, it's made this uh, such a, wor- a worthwhile thing for us to to be a part of. Yeah, we actually uh, got some numbers today. Everybody very happy. Uh, the, yeah. the higher ups, very, very happy with the audience that uh, you guys have helped us establish here. And, uh, you know, the, the numbers look well, great. You guys are tuning in at a very high rate, and we appreciate y'all. I, I tell you what, Bobby, I listened to our show from uh, Wednesday mm-hmm. uh, today when I was walking. And, uh, you know, when you have a show, they have commercials. Bobby and I have nothing to do with the commercial. <laughs> yes. Okay. Understand so that. <laughs> just fight. Just fight through. Just fight through, and then you'll get your content. But <laughs> we got to pay bills here, so uh, yeah, it's one of those things. Just trust me. Bobby and I have nothing to do. The we're, we're just tell. We're just talking football with you. So just fight through as you as you can. So Brian, we are getting closer to. Uh, Regular season football, we're we're yeah. less than ten days out by the time that this uh, podcast will hit the air. Um, we'll we'll talk next segment a little bit, obviously about the Jason Peters developments and where things stand at left tackle. Um, how we've seen Tyler Smith looking with his movement skills and everything else uh, out there practice this week. How much the ankle might be hampering him a little bit, but with the regular season drawing so close, I, I thought it'd be a good chance for us to go over some of the X factors, some of the make or break aspects of this Dallas Cowboys football team this year. And, uh, you know, I think we can, the first one that we can talk about that I think we can tie in based off of, uh, you know, just referencing there that we're going to be talking about Jason Peters and everything. Uh, and I think I've said this, I think you've said this, the entire for- fortunes of the Dallas Cowboys 2022 season, I think resides in how good the offensive line is. If they're able to keep things steady if they're able to protect for Dak Prescott if they're able to open up some stuff in the running game I think this will be a good football team if the offensive line struggles I think everything else around it on offense is going to fall apart and you're looking at a pretty tough year uh, so for me I think it's the offensive line overall is the x factor and then if you're drilling it down in a more particular manner you're probably going to say how quickly Tyler Smith learns and what kind of stabilizing factor he can be I think you're absolutely right about that, Bob. I, the This time last year, if we were doing the Love of the Star podcast, 
we would probably be saying the X factor will be how well the defense plays. Yep. If it could be a top 15 defense, if they could be top 12 in scoring defense, you know, what a, what a difference a year makes. And it never was, you would think that the, the strength of the team would be, you know, this time last year, we always talked about the offensive line. Yep. You talked about Tyron Smith. You talked about uh, Lyle Collins. You talked about Zach Martin. You know, all these things. It was never a question about the offensive line. And really what a difference a year has made so far for this football team. And they've tried to address it the best they could. I know today on Cowboys break, I asked Nick Eatman and Amber Garcia and Derek Eagleton, you know, power rank for me, the offensive linemen. And, you know, they were everybody had their different order of, of how they had this uh, this thing going. But, yeah, it was, you know, that's that's the biggest question right now, where, again, last year was about how good could this defense be? Are they going to be good enough? And now is maybe this offensive line will surprise us much like the defense did. Uh, maybe you will get another year of growth from Terrence Steele. Maybe the rookie steps in at left tackle and, and gives you a solid performance there. You know, maybe – you know, uh, Connor McGovern playing guard, uh, you know, was the right fit. And he just, you know, he, now he has the experience. Now, these are just all hopes that you have, you know. And, and But we also had hopes for the defense last year. And boy, did they sure perform. Yeah, and I think when you talk about maybe this offensive line will be better than we think, uh, I, I think in order for that to happen, this is these are some of the things the Cowboys would be looking at. Terrence Steele would need to make a similar jump from year two to year three that he made in year one to year two. Uh, Tyler Biotish would have to show that some of their their pre-snap IQ quarterback of the offensive line concerns have have been put to rest, that that he's shown that he went into the classroom and became a good study and, and was able to take all that and put it onto the football field. Connor McGovern is going to have to show that he has stepped up and responded to the sort of concerns that Joe Philbin and, and the offensive line coaches had for him last year that caused him to get pulled right back out of the lineup after going in there for Connor Williams. And then Tyler Smith, it's, he's going to have to show that that learning curve is, is not nearly as steep as I think a lot of people thought it was on draft night. Brian, if you were to to, to assess that and look at it and say, which area do you feel most comfortable in hitting? That Tyler Smith's learning curve isn't so steep. Connor McGovern has fixed a lot of the things that held him back the first few years. Tyler uh, Biotish is somebody who uh, has addressed some of the quarterback of the offensive line concerns or Terrence Steele continuing to show that kind of progress. Which do you think is most likely for them? I'm going to go with the rookie left tackle. And I know there's people out there that believe that Tyler Smith got beat out for that left guard job, and I don't know if that's necessarily true. Yeah. I, I'm saying that. Uh, I'm I'm confident I could say that. But I'll also say this. when And I mentioned earlier on Cowboys break, I was asked to rank, you know, right along with those guys. I put Tyler Smith as my second offensive lineman behind Zach Martin. I have that much faith in what Tyler Smith can do. For this offensive line, I, I love the uh, the comments that you guys got from him post practice. He's talking about his steps. He's talking about 
you know, getting back out there and, and you know, and, you know, being able to, to do it and feeling comfortable again. You know, he, I don't think this is a kid that's scared. I really don't. No. I think he's, I think he welcomes this challenge. And if you look at uh, how this thing could play out, he could go out there and play very, very well. We, you know, I didn't have a whole hell of a lot of confidence in Terrence Steele. I really still don't. But to your point, Terrence Steele has played better. He has. All the all those times where I thought, no, this is a disaster, I still have concerns about him. But to be completely honest with you, when I ranked, I ranked Biotish as my fifth lineman. I had Terrence Steele at four. So that kind of just tells you right now that I have concerns about Steele, and, but I also have concerns about the center as well. But the question you asked me is, you know, which one do you feel the best about? I feel really good about a kid that I know is super tough, is super strong, and he's willing to do whatever he has to do to be a part of this offensive line and have success, and I love that about him. And and even with that said, I don't think you're, uh, at least from the discussions we've had, I don't think you've portrayed this. Uh, I don't think you're bearish on Connor McGovern, though, right now. You feel pretty good about the camp he's had, right? I do, and that's what I'm saying. If you had... Uh, my power rankings would be Martin Smith and then McGovern. That's how I, I, it's amazing to me that, you know, you talk about these offensive linemen and people are like, well, what if Tyler Smith doesn't have success and you have to move him or pull him? Does that kill his confidence? Heck you started Connor McGovern last year and he didn't finish the season as a starter. And now look, now I believe it's because, of the situation because of Tyler Smith having to play left tackle that Connor McGovern's going to start at left guard. But there's nothing to make me feel like that that Connor McGovern didn't have a, a really nice camp and and was very capable of the opportunities he got. I felt good about the way he played. So that's why I'm listing him as my third guy right now and, and as far as the offensive line confidence meter, if you want to call it that. And then when we look at some of these other X factors, uh, and, and Brian, I'll, I'll toss to you here in a sec to, to get some of the things that you're looking at. Uh, one of the other things that I think is really important, Jalen Tolbert. That I think Jalen Tolbert needs to step up, and he needs to have a bigger impact than I think Michael Gallup did his rookie year, where he was 33 receptions, a little over 500 yards, but wasn't good enough that he was able to hold them off from going and saying, we need to go get Amari Cooper. We have to go get a guy like that. And so, for me, and Mike McCarthy kind of acknowledged that this week, that Jalen Tolbert's been a little up and down for them. Um, I, I think that Jalen Tolbert stepping up and solidifying himself as a real third option alongside Gallup and Lamb as the season goes on would be huge for this football team. I think you make an excellent point there, Bobby. And, and that, you know, I, I look at guys like with that wide receiver room and you know, we're – you and I have kind of – we're a little bit split on where we think Gallup is going to end up, whether it's week two against Cincinnati or week three against the Giants. I, You know, I just – you know, I want to believe that it's more sooner than later, but you could be absolutely right. Nobody said, hey, Brian, week two or week three. I just know it's – the fact that they didn't have him on PUP was a big win for them and a big win for the kid. So, you know, yeah, Tolbert – Noah Brown, those guys have got to step up, though. If there's no uh, Gallup for the first couple of weeks, 
Somebody's got to go make some plays. Somebody's going to go fight for that football. You know, somebody's got to make a big third down catch. Uh, you know, till Gallup was having a really good game in week one against the uh, against the Buccaneers. I mean, he started off great, and then he you know got the calf injury, and that was that was the last we saw him for a while. But you know, somebody's got to step up in this group, and you know, C.D. Lamb, you would expect him. You know, you're expecting Dalton Schultz to step up, but somebody that's one of these skill guys have to do it. And, and I'm going to give you my skill guy that has to step up. I think it's Ezekiel Elliott. And it might turn into I, – I don't know if the running lanes are going to be there all the time. I, I know when you and I went through it the other day, I, I named four of the five guys I think have run or have running blo- run blocking as a strength. Yep. Maybe it won't be pretty all the time. Hopefully the tight ends get involved, you know, that they can they can make that work. But I'm really thinking this is going to be on Ezekiel Elliott. I think this is a really, really important year for him. Just for the fact that every year the numbers have gone down. Now, last year he was injured, you know, and, and they, they were adamant that he wasn't injured. And I kept saying, well, he's not hurt. He's not hurt. This is what I'm hearing. No, he was hurt. And they're admitting now that he was hurt. But this is a really, really important year for him because if he can have success, and I'm not saying he's going to have 2016 success. Sure. I think it's a different player. He even admitted that when we interviewed him on 105.3 during training camp. He's like, I, I hope you know I could get back to a level I once had, but you know that's tough. And I, I respect him for saying that. But this team is going to need him to have some success. You know, they're going to need him to have. Uh, that running game success, much like if you go back to DeMarco Murray in 2014. And if you remember, you know, Romo was established, but, you know, Murray was so good at running that ball and it was a different offensive line. I understand, but they had so much success that when Murray got hurt, they'd kind of figured out some things and Tony Romo went on a tear in December. Yep. And I, I think that's kind of what I'm hoping for the Cowboys here that, 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 uh, that, Zeke gets on a tear and he, and he starts putting together some really, really good games and it takes some of the pressure off Dak. But then all of a sudden, well, Dak's feeling comfortable. The team's looking good. You know, maybe Zeke has a bad game or two in December, but but Dak's there to kind of pick things up. So that that's kind of how I hope this offense, I hope they find the balance. And I think Zeke Elliott is a big, big part of that balance. Uh, another X factor here for me as we're starting to wrap up this segment here, and I think this also plays to the offensive line being good, uh, is just Dak Prescott's health. Because there's yeah. never been a question about Dak Prescott's durability. Then you look back at back into 2019, he has the shoulder injury right at the end of the season um, after he got driven into the ground against the Rams. Five games into the 2020 season, breaks the ankle. Preseason 2021, he has the shoulder injury. Then he gets into the 2021 season, he has the calf strain. And it's these injuries are starting to stack up a little bit for Dak, which is, is to be expected. The the more you go along, the more hits you take, the more you're, you're probably going to break down a little bit. Um, but you don't want it to become a Tyron Smith type of situation, especially for your quarterback. So to me, the big key is let's go a full 17 game set of you know a full 17 game schedule with the type of durability we had from Dak Prescott in 2016, 2017, 2018. I think that's going to be huge for their success as Dak remaining healthy. 
No, I think you're absolutely right. And I think Dak has put a lot of that behind him too. How he looks physically, uh, he's always going to be in shape. He's always going to be ready to go. He, you know, it looks like he's long, you know, taken off a few more pounds. That'll help the mobility. I think mentally he's in a really good spot. He understands what's going on at offensive line right now. And, you know, he might have to carry this group a little bit. I talk about Zeke. I talk about the receivers. But if I could throw one more X factor in there, I know we're yep. up against some time. Right, go, go, have at it. And re- real quick, Kellen Moore. Yep. That That's a really important X factor for this football team. Does Kellen Moore, the way he calls the game, the way he manages this offensive line, the, the way he manages the receivers and the quarterback – I think this is going to be huge. Dan Quinn did a great job of managing the defense last year, and you saw what happened with that. I think Kellen Moore needs to have a similar type of rebirth, and maybe what we saw those first you know, eight, nine games from him last year, somehow he needs to summon that up one more time and, uh, and get this team on the right path offensively. Your, do you have a greater hope in Joe Philbin coaching up this young offensive line? To, to a level that we need, or, or do you have greater faith in Kellen Moore calling an offense that's closer to what they need? Well, Joe Philbin, I'll give him credit for getting Terrence Steele ready in the many of those games that they were able to win last year. You have to give Joe Philbin credit for that. I do wish that they had a different offensive line coach, and that's just me. You know, I'm not – I'm my apologies to Joe Philbin's family or anything like that, but it, professionally I would just say I wish that Mike McCarthy would have made a switch there. He made a switch at defensive coordinator. You know, Mike McCarthy's let go several of his friends. You look at the staff and how different it looks from the first year of the guys he had to re- to re- uh, release from their jobs. A lot of them guys were friends. Some of the coaches he brought in, they got demoted. You know, Joe, Joe Witt's coach in the secondary. Al Harris is really kind of underneath him that way. You know, he's a linebacker coach. And George Edwards was here, but – uh, Scott McCurley, he's no longer the, the linebackers coach. You know, that, that, those are things that had to be done. And But, you know, Mike McCarthy would not change out his offensive line coach. My hope is, though, that that these guys find a way to develop. They find a way to to, to play together and they stay healthy so uh, they, they can they can continue the continuity that they need to have to, to make this thing work. You're listening to the Love of the Star podcast. The Love of the Star is an Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. All right, Brian, since we last talked, the Cowboys, uh, there's been a lot of discussion. We were talking about Chuma Idoga and Kellen Deesh and Alex Leatherwood and different guys like that. Uh, Alex Leatherwood ends up getting claimed by the Chicago Bears. And uh, the development is the the guy that was the tackle for the Bears last year, who the, the Bears are still in the process of trying uh, to figure out who's going to fill in and replace, and that's Jason Peters, somebody who we've talked a little bit about to this point. Uh, but the Cowboys brought in Jason Peters for a visit on Thursday. Uh, as At the time that we're recording this on Thursday night, it doesn't sound like we're going to get any sort of a resolution or any sort of an answer on that. Uh, it'll be more likely Friday where we'd find that out. 
Uh, but Brian, I know you've gotten a chance to study him. You've gotten a chance to talk to some people around the league about him. So kind of give us our your, your scouting report and, and what some of the chatters about Jason Peters around the NFL. Yeah, Bob, uh, I did. I sat down last night. I, I thought I forgot how to watch tape. I hadn't done it since <laughs> the college draft, but uh, I managed to sit down. I, I got you. Watch. I got you some college tape already. By I the know way. you do. And, and, I know you and, do. And, and we're going to get some Ohio State and Notre Dame this after this Can't weekend. Wait. We're going to be ready. Go December first, I'll start doing this. <laughs> there we again. go. There December, we go. December first. But uh, but yes, uh, sat down, watched Peters play. Uh, my gang of seven. Who, if you follow along on one hundred five three, the fan. Those are my. Uh, buddies who are general managers, directors of player personnel, all kinds of scouts, guys that that do uh, do film work during the year, were telling me, hey, listen, Brian, you need to take a look at Jason Peters if you're looking for an offensive tackle. And I'm like, 40 years old. You know, he's, I always remember him banged up with the Eagles. And they're like, no, he you need to watch him play for the Bears. He, he, he hung in there. He had a good season, started off a little slow. So, you know, I, I said, okay, I'm going to watch him early, watch him middle, then watch him late. And so it, it managed to be the 49ers, the uh, Packers, that the game that was played in Chicago, and then the Giants at the end of the year because it was a division opponent. I wanted to see how he blocked those guys. So overall, you know, I was I was pleasantly surprised. I was worried. I'm like, gosh, this guy's big. He's he's heavy. He you know, slow footed. You know, you know but. You did see some problems with the run blocking when the ball was away from him. So he's playing the left tackle, and he's got to make that step. He's got to make that hard step to his right to cut off or get his head across the defender's, uh, you know, the defender there, so he can, you know, hook him back into the inside there. And the problem with with Jason is that his size, his age. His it just he can't do that. He can't make that step and completely get across. So you see him kind of push or try and wall. He tries to get in the way, but you know just to get a piece of the guy. He you know that's what he tries to do. Now that's going to the right. When he goes to the left, there is absolutely no problem with him because the ball's coming behind him. He can take a step, a lateral step with his left foot. He can get into his into his man and he can push and. His mass and his strength give defenders problems. He can get push in the running game when the ball is behind him to that left side, and he has to be able to come off the ball. He can do that. It's the it's that it's that cutoff block that he has to make going backside. And when I mean backside, he's on the backside of the play, and yeah. the play is going front side to his right, and that's a problem for him. Pass sets. I'll tell you what. He still got it. He still got the punch. He still got the feet. He still got the lateral slide. You don't see people just running around him, uh, you know, giving him problems. The 49ers have a good pass rush, good defenders, the Packers, uh, the Giants. It's, you know, the, it, late in the year with the Giants, and the, you know, both teams are – one team's 4-11, and 11, the other team's 5-10. and 10, You know, and he's still playing hard. And they got a quarterback in fields that is moving around. It's really not sure in the pocket, you know, and and that's a problem for him. I mean, with the offensive line, you know, sometimes you gotta you gotta be able to set and then the quarterback's gonna throw from the pocket. But I was I was really, really happy to see him play. I, I when I the first game, I'm like, okay, great. San Francisco, second game, Green Bay. Oh, okay, great. Third game, Giants, I'm like, end of the season, like, man, this guy is still playing hard in like week 16, you know? So I, I, or I was just really, 
uh, impressed with him. I understand, uh, you know, why the my gang of seven like the guy uh, and why they told me to watch the player. And I can understand why the Dallas Cowboys – and, Bobby, you reported it, and I don't know if it was on our show on G-Bag Nation or it was on the podcast – that you were saying that that the Cowboys, they they were they liked him earlier than this. Yeah, and, you know that they even before even before uh, Smith uh, Tyron Smith got hurt, they were talking about this this particular player. Yeah, I think that they this was somebody that they liked as a potential depth piece. It was somebody that you know, knowing Tyron Smith's injury history. And knowing what type of a player Jason Peters could still, you know, can still be. And somebody who, man, one of the big things we heard all offseason about for the Cowboys was culture, 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 that they were worried about those things. Somebody that they viewed as like, oh, this is a, a good influence for us to have in, in this offensive line room and, and to help out. Um, and so that was somebody that I, I know they were at least kicking around as a potential name as, hey, let, maybe this will be a veteran tackle that we can bring in. I don't know how much... He, he can be – I know some people said, well, he can be your swing tackle for now. And let, and we'll talk about Tyler Smith versus Jason Peters as a starter here in a sec. I don't know how much you want him playing the right side at this point. I think he's pretty no. much exclusively left side at this point. Yeah, but, I, 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 yeah I wouldn't, Bobby. I, I, think you're, I think you're right about that. I mean, I, I've watched him play. He looks totally comfortable playing on the left side. And he knows he's deficient on that cutoff in the run game. You can yeah. tell – but he's not on the ground flopping around or diving in the back of guys' legs and trying to, you know, he legitimately is trying to get his head across. You know, he, he's played a lot of campaigns in this league. He's just not as, you know, as, as quick-footed as he once was or as nimble. Now, I say nimble because in pass protection, his feet, his hands, everything look good. He, he You don't see people just run by him. I would personally – if they can get this done, and as we're talking about this, as we're taping, you know, they're in a situation right now where uh, they brought him in for a visit. They brought him in for a physical. Nothing is going to be, like you said, taken care of tomorrow until tomorrow one way or another. You know, we're having some bad weather here in Dallas right now. I mean, he might not have been able to get home because of the, you know, the conditions and stuff. But if he's still here, that means that Adam Pacifica, the cap guy, uh, his agent, those guys are could very well be working on something. They could very well be trying to, you know, take him to dinner tonight, uh, you know, visit with him a little bit more, get to know him a little bit more, and you know, let Adam and his and his agent, you know, try and work this thing out. Now they're in a little bit different of a situation. You know, last year, you know, he played for one point seven five million dollars. Now he sees a situation with the Cowboys. He's like, well. You know, I see you're in a little bit of a bind right now. You got a rookie left tackle starting. Uh, I'm going to need a little bit more than that. Maybe three and a half million to play. Maybe some incentives if I'm the starter. You know, I think he gave the the Bears a break to stay in the league. I don't know necessarily if he's going to give the Cowboys a any type of a Texas discount, uh, even though that's where he's from. And I know you've you've told the the story before on the radio. I think you maybe have even talked about it here on the podcast. Um, the the story of you telling Jerry, like, yeah, you need to you you need to fork over this money for Leroy Glover. Um, yeah. If you were in there as a pro personnel guy and making the evaluation on Jason Peters, and he's asking for more than that one point seven five million, he's asking for four with incentives or whatever else. Are you in there telling Jerry, yeah, this guy's worth it? Give him the money. 
As a pro personnel guy, yeah, I remember with the Leroy, Leroy Glover deal, I had such good intelligence from the Saints. I had friends that worked there that, you know, they knew that they couldn't get the deal done, and, and they were just they – couldn't, they couldn't say enough nice things about him. And when Jerry asked me about signing him, you know, I think we had to give him a $5 million signing bonus at the time, and, and Jerry goes, you're going to give him this money? And I'm like – Yes, sir, I am. Now you couldn't have driven a nail up my butt that you know that day because that was how how clinched up I was. But you know that's a big thing at the time to give somebody five million dollars. Now it's just kind of like old hat, you know. It's pocket change to some of these guys. But uh, yeah, it's. I think if I'm in there, I I know one thing about Will McClay. Will is always interested in trying to protect himself and with this roster and. This protects yourself. This protects you that if something happens to Smith, what if he gets another high ankle sprain or something like that? Yeah. Then he, he could, you know, this is where you're now, you've got a legitimate backup guy that can that can help you, and then your season's just not completely lost. Which, to that point, talking about the high ankle thing, because I know high ankles are always, that's a scary injury um, for, for, I mean, anybody in general. I mean, you know, we've all twisted an ankle or something like that, but a high ankle sprain, when you're talking about that for somebody who, you know, is that tackle or defensive end or anything else like that can be a crippling injury that can really throw things yeah. off. Tyler Smith has been moving well out here at practice this week. Um, we're kind of limited in what we get to see. We don't get to see team period anymore um, during the regular season, but when you watch him going through drills and, and working out and everything else, heavily bulky taped up on yeah. the left ankle, um, but moving moving fine. Doesn't seem to limit him, and he said it's getting better every day, so that's encouraging. I think that if they get this done, if they're able to bring Jason Peters on, I think Tyler Smith is still starting at left tackle. I do, too. I do, and, too. And, and they're going to give him an opportunity until he potentially loses. So maybe – ramp Jason Peters up a little bit and just say, hey, get yourself ready as if you're going to start. And then by the time we feel like you're ramped up, maybe we're a couple games in the season and we go, all right, let's figure out, do we now need to make a change or are we good here? And Jason Peters can just be our insurance policy. Yeah, I would, you asked me the question, I would pay the $4 million to make sure I have that insurance policy. And you know that Jason Peters is probably not in very good physical condition right now. And I mean that not as, you know, a slobby guy that, you know, sure. it's, it's, he's one of those guys. I remember guys at the, at Seattle, there was a guy named Walter Jones. Yeah. Hated training camp. And Walter Jones always figured out how not to go through training camp and still play at a super high level there with the Seahawks. Uh, Jason Peters knows what he has to do. He's 40 years old, but man, he looked good. I mean, he looked good, you know, doing what he did last year. So if they can bring him on, and the ideal situation would be for Tyler Smith to be good. I, yep. I mean, he doesn't have to be Tyron Smith. He just, if you're good, just be good. Don't get called for holding penalties. Don't give up any sacks. Don't give up any big hits. Be effective in the running game. If they could just get that with, with Jason Peters on the bench, learning, getting in shape, that, that would be a big, big, big plus for them. Got two questions for you here as we wrap this up. First one, I know you've talked about something that both the tackles, Terrence Steele and Tyron Smith, we talked about our struggles for them. When you watch tape, did you see how Jason Peters is able to handle the inside moves? Do those give him any trouble? Yeah. 
No, he was fine. I mean, if Jason Peters is going to get beat inside, he is going to push as hard as he can in the back and get that guy off balance because he's very, very mindful of when he plays in that left-handed stance, he's got his he's got his left foot back. So he's already got his right foot as like that power foot. So you watch him kick, but he doesn't, he's able to readjust and slide back inside. He's a pretty smart guy when it comes because there was a couple of times they tried to take him inside. He took a good, real hard step, that power step with his right foot, and he was able to like to, to shut the door on those defenders. And then I, I know you uh, you would always watch Cowboys game tape uh, every week after they'd play a game last year. So uh, not that this matters totally to the equation, but maybe gives Cowboys fans a little frame of reference. 2021, who was a better football player, Tyron Smith or Jason Peters? Wow, 2021. Uh, I would I would go with Tyron Smith just okay. because I'm more complete. You know, okay. run game. Tyron's not going to – Tyron's not going to – Tyron will give up stuff inside, but the run – you can see Tyron Smith get his head in front. He's not going to give up much on the backside because you'll see the ball, some of the runs that they were able to make in the first eight weeks, he was able to make that cutoff block, and then all of a sudden that ball – starts right and then cuts back behind the center. You got to have a backside guard and a tackle that can make that hole to where you can get. I don't think with 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 Jason Peters there is going to be a lot of cutback. It is press the hole, press the hole, press the hole and get as much as you can coming off that side. I don't know about about how much you're going to allow that that cut off that cut from going right to left behind the center because his guy might be there. I don't think Tyron Smith allows that. You're listening to the Love of the Star podcast. The Love of the, the Love of the Star is an Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, that's all for Jason Peters and X Factors with his team. We're now turning it over to our dear listeners over on Twitter for the Twitter mailbag. And Brian, we got a couple questions here and I'm going to revisit essentially a question that I know we got early on in the mailbag during the summer. But since things have changed a little bit and you've gotten a chance to see some of these rookies, uh, I want to revisit this and get your thoughts on this. Uh, Jake uh, Jake asks, Sam Williams over under six and a half sacks. What do you under. got? Under, under, easy under for you? Yeah, under. Because I, I feel like, though, that you know, we'll see what Fowler, his situation, we'll see what Armstrong's situation is. You know, how much is Sam Williams? I, I think Sam Williams is going to play. But I think that they also want Sam Williams to go out there and be able to have some success. And Sam Williams right now is a guy that's kind of a bull rush player. I think they want Sam – and the great thing about it is with Armstrong and Fowler, they don't have to immediately throw him out there and start. He can kind of come in there and they can pick and choose when they want to rush him as a passer. You know, he's got a little bit of that where he's a, he's a physical player, but you got to watch for the penalties yeah. kind of a thing. So I, I think the opportunity for him to learn, to practice, to work a little bit more on his craft with his hands and his ability to escape, I think those are things that they'll, they'll work with him quite a bit on that. And then, you know, you asked me this question maybe next year, I, I will say, yeah, it's a good chance that Sam Williams will be the complete package because right now he's a really good power player and he's very aggressive uh, but he needs a little bit more work or refinement with his technique with his hands. 
just a generic team, uh, like without taking into account specific players they may be going against or anything else. If I told you, hey, these four guys are going to play 80% of the snaps in any given game, who do you think is giving you the best performance? Stack them for me out of Dorrance Armstrong, Sam Williams, Dante Fowler, and Terrell Basham. I'm going to say I'm probably going to put – I'm going to go Armstrong, Fowler, Williams, Basham. Side, Basham had a great camp, though. Great camp, and, and sure obviously did. it's 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 you know that there. And been it might lots- be a situation where Williams might be inactive some of these times. We need to keep an eye on that. Uh, you know how how much is you know especially early. Uh, they might just throw him out there. Remember, we've seen guys get a taste of this thing early, then all of a sudden, if they don't have some success, then maybe that they get you know put down for a few games and then kind of figure some things out. But I, I, I think that Williams I, – I, I, this is my hope, Cowboy fans, and it's that you get Fowler has the kind of season that Curse had for you with Dan Quinn. Yes, yeah. That's my, that's my hope, Cowboy fans, that this was that we took a guy that off the scrap heap basically with Curse that really nobody was – George Edwards kind of knew what the player was, but Dan Quinn did a great job of of getting him involved and and making him an outstanding player. I'm hoping that he can do the same again for Fowler uh, now that they're back together. Keeping it on the defensive line and talking about what a great camp Basham had, and we talked recently about what a great camp Tristan Hill had. Uh, Don Ridenauer is asking the question, and uh, he wants to throw in there that he loves the podcast, so there's that. Thank, Thank you, Don. You, Don. Appreciate you, man. Uh, were you guys surprised they did not trade some of their surplus D-line for offensive line prospects? I don't know that I'm surprised. Um, I, I think they, cut, the, they cut one of them, right? Right. They cut Watkins, they, and even still, they, they, did. they boomeranged yeah. him back to the practice squad, and so I guess I'm not... Uh, they had no intention of trading any of that defensive I, line. I, I think that if the de- if a deal would have come along that made sense for them, they would have, right. but I don't think there were any offensive line players out there that they liked enough to let go of yeah. any of those defensive linemen. It's weird. I mean, sitting in that room, I'm sure there were names that they talked about that got cut, that they thought about maybe claiming... But, man, this is a team. What they do, they, they basically they cut their team. They brought back their practice squad. I mean, it was like the same guys. With They did go out and sign a couple of different uh, a t- couple of different players, you know, off the street, which is good uh, for their practice squad. I think that's always a good thing to have that. But as far as surplus, they let, they let go one guy. That's all. And they kept everything pretty much else in – Intact of those of those starting guys or those and those starting and backup guys. Well, and two, if you count uh, a guy like Mika Tafua, who I think they have plans for eventually, um, right. it wasn't going to happen this year. They they were just too deep. Um, yeah. and, and I don't know. It, you you heard some of the chatter about Leatherwood, but remembering what Leatherwood was coming out of camp, if the opportunity had been looking at you and just said, "Hey, you can flip some of the surplus," let's say Basham, for instance. Basham for Leatherwood. Would you have entertained that, or would you have just said, nah, I'd rather keep Basham? Well, I think the thing about it is, you know, how much did you really like Leatherwood coming out of college? Sure. You know, but, yeah, the fact that that the Raiders tried to call all these teams to make it work, you know, that – and nobody nobody bit, but then you get a claim from the Bears. I mean, you had to have the money to be able to claim his contract and stuff like that, so – 
Um, you know, good for the Bears. I mean, these teams, what, what's funny, real quick, Bobby, I know it's off track. No, you're good. What's, what's funny is a team like the Jets, who were bad last year, record-wise. Yep. How many players did they have get claimed? Seven. Like, Seven. Yeah. Seven players, and okay, now you're looking at the you know if you're the if you're a jet front office guy, you're thinking, did we misevaluate our team? Are we keep <laughs> seriously? Yeah. If you put seven guys out there off a bad team, and people are claiming them, what does that say about you? What does it say about your evaluation of your team? Do you, you know? do you remember uh, the most crazy? Do you remember the crazy. most players a team you were on ever had claimed at cut down day? It was I don't think it, in all my teams. Uh, Green Bay, Just one or uh, two, Philly, Jacksonville. I don't think it, not seven. Never, that, never that, anything that's like that. Alarming that if if you put seven guys out there and they're all. I mean, I can understand the the Rams or the Bengals or I, I, you know, team that's had success here. You know, Tampa Bay. I can understand Tampa Bay having seven guys get claimed. But when you're the Jets, you pick what second overall? Yeah. This year, come on, man. Seriously, that <laughs> man. You got to If you're in that organization, you're you're thinking, whoa, did we just mess up our team here? Next question from Playballer. Sorry about that. No, 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 no. no that, that, look, we this is uh, th- these are the kind of things that we touch on. You're you're good. Playballer yeah. DC asking in today's NFL, do you still have to have a balance between run and pass, or can you win being very good with one and mediocre with the other? And then on top of that, which one do you think the Cowboys have the best chance of being dominant in? Right now, I think it's the best chance of probably running the football. Yep, with agreed. Pollard and Zeke, and then also throwing Turpin and Lamb and anybody else you want to. I like. I to. really, I really like Dowdle. I fully. Dowdle, be- I mean, yeah. I, I, mean, I, fu- yeah. I fully believe Dowdle could be part of a starting duo in the NFL. Sure, sure. They kept him. I, I like Malik Davis myself, but that that with the whole. You know, we, we, we mentioned four out of the five guys I think are good run blockers. And we saw the Cowboys have success with their second and third offensive line and their, really their third and fourth backs yep. running the football. So I think a little bit has to do with the physicality, which they play with up front uh, at certain positions. I think the tight ends are doing a much better job of getting into their guys and making it happen. Do you agree with what Jerry said on the fan this week where he said younger, more inexperienced offensive linemen, it's easier for them to get past that learning curve and run block? It's easy. Yeah, run block is snap the ball, fire off into your guy and, and use brute force, strength, technique, whatever you have to do. Pass blocking is a little bit more about balance and and you know being engaged and maintaining that, you know, the leverage and stuff like that. So I think it's a little bit easier for a team to run block than it is to pass block, but you have to be able to get into your guy and you have to be able to, to get some push at the point of attack to make it really, really work. And then the the more thousand foot view question there. <laughs> um, do you agree that like, like do you think in the NFL you have to have a balance or do you think you can get away with being mediocre with one or the other? I, I, I really want to believe that this is a special year for Dak and it might not seem special because his offensive line is you know, there's a lot of questions there. There's questions at wide receiver. I think he's got a really, really good tight end. I think he's got a couple of really good tight ends he yeah. can throw the ball to. 
He's got a couple of backs, I think, that are very, very capable of making plays for him. Um, balance, I think, is important for him. I've always said this about Dak. When Dak is 22 of 29 for 261 and three touchdowns, no interception, that's when your team finds ways to win. And that's, you know, look, just go back and look at those games that they played, the, you know, the first eight weeks of the season and how they were able to run the football and what that got, how that got Dak. When Dak has to throw the ball and it's 400 yards and, you know, throws the ball 40-something times, 50-something times, you're usually on the bad end of a score there. So my hope is that, that the balance truly, truly can help him. But I also believe Dak, and I do believe this with my heart, that Dak has put things behind him health-wise or, you know, injury-wise, and he's going to have a really, really good year. It it might – it's I, I put it this way. I don't think it's – if they don't have success on offense, I don't think it's going to be his fault. I think others around him are not going to play well enough. Last question here from Brandon. He's saying, what weeks do you think Gallup comes back and how big of an impact will he have? Or does uh, he ease in due to the type of injury and a big and a big impact wouldn't be expected until week ten, Brian? I think I, I know you and I have said like we have a little yeah. bit of difference. You're you're saying week two, I'm saying week three. I say week but, two, yeah. But, but I would not be surprised if it's week two either. And and, and I don't. Think, but I, I said the same thing about week three. And yeah, I think I, you're I, th- I, I think too. I think it's it's it will be one of those days. I it's going to be before week four. Yes. To put it that way. Yes. Because if that they just put him on pup and and kept another roster spot. If that's yeah. it's yeah, going to be the week two or three. Yeah, yes. absolutely. I, th- I think that's right. And so in terms of the type of impact he can have, ACL or, or your experience with ACL injuries on teams that you've been in, I know in the modern day the ACL injury is a little bit different, but I don't feel like that's one that when you come back, the ACL injury, of course, for I mean, for people that don't know, it, it affects lateral movement. Um, yeah. But but once that's healed up and, and it's good – I think you're pretty much full go, and there's there's just the only thing to knock off is maybe rust. Yeah, for him, it's going to be about him going to get in the football. This guy plays a game where he's he's really good at, at jumping and being in the air and contorting his body and getting his feet down. Uh, for him, it's going to be about the first hit. It's going to be go up, get the ball, come down, take the hit, get up, and signal first down. That's – that's what it's going to be for him. But, you know, I, with players like that, it's just about – it's that confidence. You can't simulate what's going to happen in a game to him. He can run routes and he can practice and he can, you know, he can get comfortable. But nobody's going to touch him. Nobody's going to touch him in practice. They're going to let him run routes. They're going to let him be open. It's the minute he has to fight off the line, the minute that Dak throws him the ball in the air, and the minute he – springs off that leg to go vertically to get that ball and come down with it that's once he gets past that i I think that he'll be in the clear that's it's just getting the confidence to do all those things i just talked about that does it for us for this week another week of uh shows in the books and next week it is game week looking ahead to the tampa bay buccaneers uh we'll be back with you guys on monday